Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. We would like to thank a couple partners, the UofL, for its support and distribution of notices, Country Kitchen Catering for delightful lunches, Shaw TV Channel 9 for broadcasting sessions several times weekly, including nightly at 7, CKXU 88.3 FM Radio Live, and the Lethbridge Herald, as well as other media covering SACPA events. We are going to do a 25, 30-minute uh, presentation followed by lunch and questions, and we should be out of here by about 1.30. So that will wrap us up very nicely. I would like to invite up Lethbridge Local, Sessional Professor at the U of L, PhD candidate at U of C, our very own Lisa Lambert. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm I'm much more nervous than I've ever been standing up here. I've spoken to you a few times to tell you to buy memberships or to address the AGM, but I've, I've never spoken to you about uh, a, an argument of mine. So I'm hoping that a few of you will speak to me afterwards, but I suspect that I'm going to make a few people uncomfortable in the room um, because I'm talking about floor crossing. And I, I, uh, I come to this talk about floor crossing um, not from my dissertation work, which is on political parties. Um, so I do have a little bit of an knowledge there, but I really come to it as a student of polit political institutions and the value and importance of political institutions. So I'm going to um, just I'll lay out what my three arguments are so that you can begin to uh, come up with your questions now uh, and think about them before I even get to, uh, to the entire argument. Uh, here's what I'll be arguing, three separate things. First of all, there's no problem with crossing the floor. Okay, everyone take a breath. There's no problem with crossing the floor. Our system allows crossing the floor. Our system needs to allow crossing the floor. I'll tease that out a little bit more, but my, my final argument in that is that if we do not allow crossing the floor, we are empowering political parties to a level that we don't necessarily want. I'll go into that a little bit more in a minute. Second, my second argument is going to be that quite aside from her role in the Wild Rose Party, her level, um, importance as an MLA for uh, her riding, what Danielle Smith did in leading this floor crossing was actually um, a terrible affront to the legislature in Alberta. And that her um, abdication as the leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition uh, is, is far more egregious than her uh, crossing the party from the party perspective. And uh, my third argument is going to be that this, in no way, no matter how many times Danielle Smith has said it, is a merger. This is not a merger between the Wild Rose Party and the Progressive Conservative Party. Um, uh, this is actually, and here's my final I'll give you my final first, so that I'm one of those people that flips to the end of the mystery to find out who killed the guy so that I know how, how to read the story. So here's the final thing I'm going to say. What this floor crossing did was indicate how bad our system in our, or 
the way that we approach our legislature in Alberta is. And that started, if we go back as far as uh, Henry Wisewood and, and William Aberhart, but really can be traced back to Klein. And the changes that Klein made uh, undermined the legislature so significantly in Alberta that we have a, a leader of the Her Majesty's loyal opposition. I'm going to keep repeating that. Her Majesty's loyal opposition crosses the floor, joins the government because it's the only place where she can have a voice. Okay? So those are my three arguments. Let's take them one by one. First of all, crossing the floor. Um, the public reaction to Smith's floor crossing is that it has tore at democracy. Um, but really, parliamentary democracy must permit and almost always permits floor crossing in a way that presidential democracies do not. Um, we can start with the term. So what is the floor? So the floor is that green carpet between each side. On one side, we're actually looking at a photo of the Alberta legislature here. On one side, the side where all the chairs are crowded together, that's the government side, okay? The other side across the floor is the opposition side. The story is that these two sides are separated by the length of two swords plus one inch. It, it gives you a little bit of an idea of the adversarial nature of politics in that we would have to separate two groups by two swords and one inch. Now, I don't really believe that story, and I'll tell you why. Unless Canadian swords are much, much longer than British swords, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The distance in, in Canada is 3.96 meters and 2.5 in England, so I'm thinking that Canadian swords don't need to be that much longer that we this would be true. So it's probably just more of a tail, but it, it gives us an idea of the kind of adversarial distance that's kept between the government and the opposition. The floor then, and when, when, one, when one crosses the floor, they walk across that middle ground between government and opposition. Our system is adversarial, and the two groups do sit opposite one another. Um, but floor crossing is not that uncommon. It's rare, but not uncommon. So from 1867 to 2006, in Canada, and I did this at the federal level, 6% of MPs have crossed the floor. So it's not that it never happens. It certainly happens. It's not a common happening. Here's what happens to those people. 43% of those floor crossers go on to cabinet positions. When they cross to the government, they get cabinet positions. To give you a comparison, only about 30% of the average MPs will get a cabinet position. So it's certainly good for one's um, personal uh, career to cross the floor. Um, I, I included in cabinet positions also um, parliamentary secretaries, and we can debate whether or not that should be, but I'm just lumping them in. Across Canada, western provinces are far more likely to have floor crossing than eastern provinces. In Ontario, I could only find about six incidents of this ever. Anyone want to guess how many of the current sitting MLAs in Alberta have crossed the floor? It's an actually kind of staggering number. So of the 87 people in the, floor, um, in the legislature now, 
there were 25 incidents of floor crossing amongst those MLAs. Now, I'm not saying just in this legislature. I'm including people like the Speaker of the House, Jean Zwazdeski, who crossed from liberal to conservative. I'm including in this the leader of the Liberal Party, who Raj Sherman, who crossed from conservative to liberal. I'm including in this the leader of the current Wild Rose Party, um, Heather Forsyth, who crossed from the conservatives to Wild Rose. We have a lot of people, and our, and our Lethbridgeist MLA, Bridget Pastor, who crossed from the Liberals to the Conservatives. We have a lot of people in this legislature who have no right to point fingers about, point, about floor crossing. They're actually the most experienced legislature in terms of floor crossing. So I, I want to talk a little bit about why floor crossing is okay. So Danielle Smith got this one thing right. I'm going to talk about all the things she got wrong in a minute. So Smith got one thing right. We elect individuals. Only since 1974, at the federal level, has the party name even been on the ballot. Okay? When we look at the plethora of, of signage, we see names first and foremost. We can sometimes see party labels or party colors, but names are predominant. On the ballot, I've um, put a ballot on the side there. It's a little hard to see, but the first thing that you see is the name. And in fact, it's organized by the last name of the candidate. So in this one, which was for Lethbridge West last time, Balbura for the Liberal Party is first because B comes before... Who is next? Kevin Kinahan from Wild Rose. So it's organized, our system is organized by the individual and we elect the individual. The Westminster system barely mentions parties. Our constitution does not mention them at all. Neither does our constitution mention the prime minister. Just want to point that out. Um, individual MPs or MLAs have distinct roles, rights, obligations, but parties don't. The individual legislature is elected as an individual. We often say we need to choose the best person. And I'll, I'll give you an example of where this comes up. Whenever I talk about the importance of quotas for women, this is another reason that you'll probably uh, not want to listen much to me, is I'd, I'd like to have quotas for women politicians and requirements for certain levels of, of uh, candidates being women. When I argue that, the number one thing people say back to me is, but you can't do that because we have to choose the best person for the job. So we are actually electing, if we think we are electing, individuals. Now, what does the study say? Well, the studies say that about 5% of a vote is based on the individual, and 95% is based on, based on the party. However, our system is not set up that way. So what people are doing in our system is different than how our system is set up. It's not to say that we couldn't change our system. Certainly, we could change our system. Every time we've had the opportunity to change our system to fit how it is we think we vote, we didn't. We turn it down, and we turn it down. Proportional representation, um, single transferable vote. We turn it down because of one simple thing: it would empower parties too much, and we fear that. And we argue constantly that party discipline needs to be retracted. We need less party discipline. People need to have free votes. Well, you can't both have less party discipline and no floor crossing. It's one or the other. you got to choose one. And in our system, we take floor crossing because it, it's the 
the kind of wish we didn't have to, but we accept it as part of our system because we elect individuals and empower MPs. Here's one more piece of evidence that we don't really care how people vote individually. Just take you back, not too long ago, but it seems like a long time ago. October 2nd, 2011, the election of uh, Redford, 78,000 party members elected her. April 23rd, she becomes our premier in a resounding win with 62 seats that she wins. By March 23rd, less than two years later, she's ousted by her own caucus. She's pushed out by the dissent within her caucus. She was not pushed out because there was a vote by the population to push her out. She wasn't even pushed out by her own parliament, by her own party, the extra parliamentary party. Nuh-uh. She was pushed out by her caucus. We actually empower MPs a great deal, and we actually don't think in our system a great deal about what the constituents think. And here was one piece of evidence when this came up. So this is just a little bit more of a graphic about those 25 defections. Um, it's about 20 individuals in the current legislature in Alberta who've crossed the floor, 20 of 87. Um, this is actually, this graphic is before 2004. 2014, December 2014, when the Wild Rose Nine crossed. So it would be pretty difficult to point the finger um, very much. However, we do have people calling for a law. They say, well, we have to have a law against party defection. Manitoba has a law against party defection. You know what a law against party defection does? It emboldens parties. And the only places that it's used are weak democracies. Here's the countries. I looked through the countries and came up with who has party um, defection laws. Older democracies, there's only five that have them. Newer democracies, there's 24, so five is 14%. Um, newer democracies, about 24%. Semi-democracies, 33% have them have rules against party defections. And non-democracies, they don't really care that much because they don't really have parties, but they still, 9% of them have laws against party defections. So really, this is not, having a law against party defections is not something that we want to have in an established democracy. The only, the, those countries who do have it are India, Israel, Portugal, Trinidad, Tobago. Not necessarily a group we want to be tightly in with. It's really about um, party defections really help to stabilize uh, party systems, and so we, we need to have the ability of an MP or an MLA to cross the floor if they, if they feel they need to. So now I've upset all the NDP members in the room because NDPs are opposed to party defections. Okay, so a whole group of you are now opposed to me. Now, let's take it on the next group that don't want to like it. Now I want to go back and take a look at some of the timing that happened on, in terms of the, the collapse of the Wild Rose. Um, so on March 23rd, Redford resigns. She's sitting at 19% approval. Remember, Getty was about that too, but, um, but nobody remembers that. Um, the Wild Rose was at 46% in the polls. Wild Rose were storming. March 23rd, 2014, that is. They had 17 Wild Rose MLAs. Prentice wins the um, leadership in uh, September. He wins a seat in October. The same day that he wins a seat, Ang Joe Anglin leaves the party, so now they're down to 16. 
Um, November 17th, we have a speech from the throne. Finally, the fall sitting of the legislature is held. Uh, seven days later, Donovan and Carrie Toll uh, leave to go to the government side. And uh, Daniel Smith gives an impassioned speech about uh, how it was. And she says about their crossing, now they will have to answer for their actions both in their constituencies and in the legislature. How quaint. As we have seen again and again, changing one person at the top does not change the government's recurring problems of entitlement and mismanagement. A very strong statement that she then went back on less than, uh, less than a month later. So she said that on November 24th. By December 17th, she'd already crossed. And she said when she crossed that it had been in the works for months. So she said on November 24th that the government doesn't change when you just change the leader. And yet, less than a month later, she had crossed herself. What had she seen in that time? Well, she uses a number of arguments that are um, comical, um, and I'll go through each one of them. But she determined within 15 days that she wanted to cross. And I'll tell you why 15 days. The, the legislature sat for 15 days. I said that the speech from the throne was held on November uh, 17th. The session adjourned on December 10th. The House sat for 15 days in that period of time. So she saw the Premier at work for 15 days. That's an impressive turnaround. So what did she get wrong about our system? Well, I give it away already. She got everything wrong. Elf. So really what she misunderstood is opposition. And so this is what I, I want to take on, is each of her four statements about why she crossed. So first, her first statement was that he is different, that Prentice is different. Again, I'd like to know where it is in this timeline that she was able to determine that, right? Because she had 15 days in the legislature to see that. She had a little bit longer because he did a lot of things outside of the legislature because that's an Alberta thing, and it doesn't happen elsewhere, but it does happen here. And so she had a number of ways in which she could see his activities outside of legislature, but inside legislature, she saw 15 days of activity. So he is different, she said. One of the, the reasons that she gave for this, and I'll, I'm going to quote her exactly, I had a chance to sit down with him earlier this month. And then she makes an aside. A novel concept in itself. Of the four premiers I've seen, he was the first willing to meet. So that really points to the problem in Alberta legislatures and the way that the government approaches the uh, opposition. In most normal, I'll say, or established democracies, it would be perfectly reasonable for a premier to sit down with an opposition leader. It would not in any way be seen as different or novel, as she said. So first and foremost, all she's pointing out is how weird Alberta is. Her second thing, she said, that they took our amendments and they passed them. She was speaking specifically about the Accountability Act. Um, and here's her exact statement. When the government accepted our amendment to the Accountability Act to prevent double dipping on public sector severance packages, I knew this premier was different. Again, this is pointing to the problem in the Alberta legislature, not something wonderful and new about Jim Prentice. Actually, Accepting amendments is what governments do with opposition. That's the role of an opposition is to present amendments. 
to suggest changes, to debate legislation. That's actually what they do. So the fact that she points out that he did what they're supposed to do is really indicative of a problem with the legislature, not something that's grand about Prentice. Her third statement, and this is the one that gets every political scientist popping gaskets in our head. She said, and I quote, I just thought I'd put the entire statement up there. In order to be the leader of the opposition, you have to really, really want to bring down the government. I don't want to take down this premier. One of my, one of my dear friends in political science said, utter nonsense. <laughs> utter nonsense. Actually, parliamentary democracies work very well when there's um, coalitions, when there's minority governments, and when there's collaboration across the, uh, flo across the floor. Um, some of the best legislation at the, at the federal level has come out of minority governments. If we think back to the things that are most important, the things that we say are most valuable about being Canadian, every one of those pieces of legislation came out of a minority government and collaboration across parties. So we look at things like unemployment insurance, um, the Canadian flag, you name it, we'll find it in an, a, as a product of a minority government. Governments work well when they work across the floor and collaborate on things. To think that you have to at all times be trying to bring down the premier is utter sheer nonsense. And then the one that really got me. Global in economic insecurity. She actually said global economic security, but I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. She meant insecurity, so I don't think she actually meant. By which she means falling uh, oil prices. Makes it not a time for partisanship. She, she goes on a little bit um, more in this. It's not a time for partisanship. Albertans expect strong leadership, and that is exactly what they are going to get. So this is suggesting, suggesting that $48 barrel of oil prices is worse than, say, I don't know, the Second World War in England when they didn't have to actually eliminate the um, opposition and they could still get along. I don't know if there was maybe some global insecurity at that time, but they certainly managed to get through while still having an operational uh, um, uh, opposition. So this is, this is really just offensive to us. This should be offensive to us as Albertans, that we can't have debate when we have low oil prices. So how about the third argument? This is a merger, she said. It's, uh, it's a merger of parties. Prentice in the exact... I don't think they talked about what they were going to say because in the exact same... Um, news conference, the 23-minute news conference, he said, and I quote, this is not a merger of parties. Let's be clear about this. So, so maybe they didn't really know what they were going to say, each of them. What Prentice did say, though, was, and here's, here's some insight into where they were going, once again, the government caucus will represent the full diversity of voices and regions across Alberta. We need all conservatives pulling in the same direction. And she said shortly thereafter, we are now at a point in our history that requires our voice and our principles in the room and at the table, not outside the door. 
So this is really the reason for the crossing. Certainly there may be some enticements. And many um, people, Ezra Levant, uh, not the least of whom, has suggested over and over that they must be getting cabinet positions. I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. Certainly many floor crossers, as I've said, get um, receive some sort of personal enticement like a cabinet position or a parliamentary secretary position. I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them do get that. But I don't know that that was actually the reason for it. I think that the reason really is in some of those statements we heard from Prentice and from um, Smith. Really, what this points to is an utter and complete failure of imagination on the part of Smith and the other uh, uh, well, nine that crossed, or ten, I guess, if we count Donovan and Toll, even if they didn't do it on the same day. They have an utter lack of imagination about how to make change. And what they're actually reflecting is the problem in Alberta that I can trace back to Klein. I think if we remember back to some of the things that Klein did, we'll begin to see the way that he diminished the role of the legislature and more and more made it that the only place that things could be discussed or um, in, or engaged in or have any debate upon was behind caucus doors. And so that's why um, Smith says, you know, we need to be at the table, not outside the door. She's talking about the caucus door. And when Prentice says, we've now returned to having a full diversity in the government caucus, he chose those words very carefully. He doesn't see diversity in the legislature as being important. He sees diversity in the caucus being important. Very different things. So remember that Klein started doing a televised chat. This surpassed the importance of the speech from the throne immediately. So this was his sort of connecting to the common man through television. And so we just avoided things like the speech from the throne as being important. Um, if we can think back to 2004, he awarded all the government MLAs a nice, big, uh, shiny gold ring, uh, something he didn't give to any of the opposition members. However, it was publicly paid for. Um, he diminished uh, already weakened committees. The entire committee structure in Alberta has been perpetually weak. He actually weakened it to the point where he didn't even make it look like there were committees anymore. They became caucus committees. And so the work of government, the, co the committee work, was being done in caucus without opposition members. Only government members could sit on those, on those uh, committees. He really created a lot of parallel systems to the legislature. So more and more, like if we look at what he did with the EUB, what we see is the things that are going on in those structures is what should be going on in a legislature. There should be debate, discussion, difficult decision-making, rhetoric, opposition, um, critique, but none of that's happening in the legislature. So in many ways, Smith is really just crossing because she's seen the writing on the wall. There's no place for opposition in the Alberta legislature. So just as I wrap up, I want to go back to um, a couple of people that I think might have something to say about, about opposition. And I've, I've chosen one liberal and, and one conservative, just to be fair on this. If we go back to Laurier a man well-versed in being on the opposition side, um, it is indeed essential for the country that the shades of opinion which are represented on both sides of this house should be placed as far as possible on a footing of equality and that we should have a strong opposition to voice the views of those who do not think like the majority. 
it seems like a radical idea in Alberta where we, because of global economic insecurity, we all have to be pulling in the same direction. Um, the next one, Diefenbaker, in a, in a really lovely speech he gave to the Empire Club in 1949, um, outlines the important things that, a, that an opposition does. And he says, they find fault, they suggest amendments, they ask questions, elicit information, arouse, educate, and mold public opinion by voice and vote. It must scrutinize every action by the government, and in do sowing prevents the shortcuts through democratic procedure that governments like to make. The Alberta government certainly likes to make those shortcuts. Um, I'll wrap up. I won't. I'll actually put in a, a nice photo while I read this from uh, from the the man that I uh, I learned political institutions from, uh, Anthony Sayers, um, political scientist in um, University of Calgary, uh, writing about the Alberta government. Wrote. Many of the core elements of responsible government are either weak or missing from the Alberta legislature. The numerical superiority of the Tories across the last 40 years and the lack of alternation in government have resulted in an assembly whose operation reflects choices made by governments unconcerned with what it would be like to labor as the opposition. And that, frankly, is why she crossed. She crossed because there's no... Um, sense in being an opposition member in Alberta. There's no value to it. And the public didn't react to her leaving the opposition. They reacted to her leaving the Wild Rose Party. And I think that's really our fault, and we need to, to change and do something better there. Thank you.